Good evening everyone it's 5 and I think we it's time for us to begin so welcome to Sacred School International Summit with incredible schools presented by alumnus and part by Singapore Math Gym This event will take you on a short journey of introducing you to creative minds and incredible schools joining us from different parts of the world In this event innovative topics informative content and progressive initiatives are being shared with you we remain hopeful that the session over 5 days will and has inspired you to take your school community to a new direction of development today we commence day 4 my name is charles clarence and i'm your moderator for the day i'm the principal of dr mps world school agra before we begin today's session i request all our audiences to immerse themselves in the session and hold their questions which will be addressed after both sessions are over our first speaker of the day is rohit ronyar he is the co-founder of canopy nepal a social enterprise working to create educational accessibility for underprivileged students and to promote interactive learning in public schools in nepal He's been in the field of education for the past 9 years and is actively consulting various educational institutions in Nepal. Ronyar is also a part of the Global Shapers Kathmandu, which is part of the Global Shapers community, and he is also a guide at the Resolution Project. He's also a global change maker at Youth Forum Switzerland. His session topic is accessibility and interactive learning in education please welcome rohit ronyar with me the stage is all yours welcome yeah thank you thank you very much charles um and and thank you very much for having me in this uh, program it's a it's a very it's a big pleasure for me to be a part of this let me quickly share my screen so that um i can move ahead with All right, I'm having some technical difficulties uh sharing the screen. That's all right. Take your time. Let me just go ahead and share my entire screen if that helps. Uh I'm hoping my ski- screen is visible right now. Yes, it is visible right now. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Good, um good. sorry for that initial well, inconvenience. Uh yeah. Uh ladies and gentlemen, um it's a pleasure to be here and I'm going to speak about the access and interactive learning in education um once again thank you for having me here uh let me talk about two of the most important pillars of education one according to me is accessibility of education the second one is interactive learning we have often seen that in places especially in in a in a country like nepal students one they are not able to go to schools uh too if they're even going to schools regularly they're missing out on the quality aspect of it so we are still very much reliant on interactive uh, we're still reliant very much on education systems being you know very one dimensional where teachers are still relying on traditional methods and students still needing to memorize things rather than understanding and I feel these two pillars are absolutely important when we talk about education in 
if you're looking to improve it. So before I move ahead with this topic, let me briefly talk about myself. Yes, um, I am very, very like, I'm glad that I have this very nice picture here. Um, so is Mohit and my journey actually begins with this place called NSEP, uh, Nepali Children's Education Project. So back in two t- 2010, when I had just finished my schooling, I had this grievance or let's say I had this experience where I, to be very honest, did not enjoy school here in Nepal. So, and, and, the, and one of the simplest reasons was there was not, there was no learning happening. When in schools in Nepal, especially um, the teachers, they want you to memorize things. And I think it's not only Nepal, it's in different parts of the world where teachers still rely on traditional methods, conventional methods, and we are still heavily relying on memorization. So I, as a kid, was very, very curious. And whenever I asked a question to a teacher, I used to get responses that, hey, you know, it's not important to understand. Why don't you just memorize? So this was a constant during my uh, school education. And I think it's it's a very common question or it's a very common answer that teachers give to a lot of students whenever they are asked uh, difficult questions or questions that are time consuming. So that was my background in terms of schooling and I had always struggled with that. And memorization is not one of the things I'm very proud of because I just struggled with that skill. And I'm not trying to say that memorization is good or bad, but I personally was not very good at it. So in 2010, I was I got to become a part of this organization called NCEP. So that's, I think, the, the place where my educational journey begins. Uh, so NCEP is an organization based in Canada, and it was supporting students in Nepal who come who came from underprivileged backgrounds and supporting them to, you know, go to schools and providing them with all the necessity um, items and requirements uh, for students to stay in school. So initially I uh, was paired with a scholar who was age 12 um, and I always, you know, got to interact with him, got to meet him, got to meet his family, got to meet his mother specifically, teachers, uh, even uh, represented him as a guardian in uh, you know in his report card and stuff like that so that's the moment i realized what education can truly do if um you know students are given the right kind of opportunities so i still remember this conversation with uh, the scholar's mother uh where she was telling me that you know her son probably would have been uh struggling right now doing things not good for the society or you know already be indulged in all those negative activities that would, you know, not make him a nice person that he is turning out. And everything is thanks to, you know, NSEP and this program that enabled him to keep him in the school itself. So NSEP was one of the first experiences where I understood what educational accessibility can do. The other part for for me was Bloom Nepal School, I think. Bloom Nepal School is, I think, one of the only interest-based learning schools in Nepal that is catering to students from underprivileged backgrounds, and it has students from all over Nepal, from you know the most developed parts of Nepali uh, education system. The students come here, um, and even from the most remotest places, uh, students come from uh, 
you know the the most remote spaces to Dhulme Nepal School and that's where I as a teacher uh, I worked there for about 3 years and got to experience um you know what exactly educational quality can do and how it can change it so I still remember there was this little girl who joined us towards the middle of the semester and her father came from you know one of the mountain regions of Nepal it took it, it took him about 18 hours to come to Kathmandu the capital city where bloom was located he brought his daughters and he left us left them to us and suggested that you know they are our responsibility and we happily kept them and when we try to interact with these uh two girls all they did was cry like cry 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 and we realized that they did not speak nepali and they did not speak english so basically there was no means of communication that was happening because we did know we didn't know the language that the girls speak uh so that was one of the biggest challenges so we called uh, the daughter's father who was on his way back to solokumbu uh, to the mountainous region and you know we asked him we don't see a way out of this because it's going to be very difficult if we keep you know your daughters here and that's when um their father what he told us was that these girls if they stay in the village they're probably going to be married early or they're going to be a part of one of the social evils that is very prevalent in the village so this is the best opportunity for the students to be a part and this is going to be a life changer for them so bloom nepal school uh was that platform for these girls and the entire team the teachers their friends all of us we specifically we worked with these uh two girls and just in a space of one month we one year uh in one of the report card distribution her father had come from the village to the school to collect the report card just to be astonished that the elder daughter had scored very high marks in english and we saw a massive change in these two girls and that's where we figured out how you know education can completely change uh someone and i i i i remember having a conversation with the girl and i pulled her aside and i spoke to her i'm like you know when you initially came to bloom all you did was cry what brought this change in you and that's when she told me that you know uh if she stayed in the village she'd probably mar- be married by now you know and bloom nepal school to be educated to get quality education was an opportunity for her to you know actually move ahead and actually uh do better things and she wanted to grow uh in in the in in the school and actually go and become a doctor so that she can go back to her village and establish this uh, health post because the village didn't have any kind of health facilities so those two instances the one i shared during ncep the this the other one in bloom these two instances showed me why education was so important why education uh not just the access of education but once you create that quality um you can see students actually becoming these change makers in the society um and along with that I've been involved in you know different organizations uh different public schools different private schools worked with a lot of uh, international uh, NGOs and even with different schools in different parts of the world that sort of gave me a glimpse of what education can do what the power it actually holds 
and how we can it can it can make uh, students' lives much better. So that's where we got an idea to start Canopy Nepal. Uh, so in 2015, um, a group of us, uh, we, we sat down together, we discussed uh, that it's very important to do something in education and understanding the fact that, uh, you know, there was something needed in terms of education. We started Canopy basically with the vision of positively transforming the education system in Nepal. We wanted to focus on two different areas, just like just like my story had suggested. The first one was creating educational accessibility. The other one was focusing on interactive learning. When I talk about accessibility of education, uh, I was reading this report uh, that was uh, released by UNICEF a couple of months ago, which indicated that only one out of three students stay in, no, two out of three students stay in classrooms till grade 10 in Nepal. Um, so that one out of three uh, students generally has the tendency of dropping out. And because of COVID, that has risen to, I think, 3.4 kids out of one uh, out of 10 students. So that's the rate when we talk about accessibility. So these students don't even complete grade 10. And, and that suggests what problem lies in terms of accessibility. The other area we're trying to focus on interactive learning. Uh, when I talk about interactive learning, in Nepal, the public schools are struggling a lot. Uh, the government's focus, yes, it is in public schools, but the schools don't have enough resources. The infrastructures are not updated or it's not enough for them to move ahead. The teachers are not trained. The students are still um, taught in one-dimensional studies. And there's a lot of politics revolving uh, that. And we can see generally private schools doing better than the public ones. So the quality of student, the quality of education ends up suffering a lot uh, in the process. So realizing these two areas of education, uh, Canopy was started. So when I talk about educational access accessibility, there are there's a, there's a program called Canopy Nepal Scholarship Program Project that basically supports the entire educational journey of a scholar. Um, so by that, what I mean is our scholarship program not only supports a student from an underprivileged background, but it also supports them with all the basic necessities for them to you know, go to a school. And on top of that, we add a layer of psychosocial and other counseling to ensure students have that holistic care. Uh, further, we add a layer of, you know, skill enhancement programs, and this can range from as simple as teaching students to even use a computer, to teaching them how to write emails, to graphic designing, to even fashion designing, barista training, cooking, etc., etc. And the reason why we want to do this is because we want our students to become indiv independent individuals. So the irony of scholarship programs, when, when I talk about accessibility of education, is that students tend to depend very highly on the donor organization or the organization that is supporting them. So in order to bridge that gap or in order to sort of make students independent, it's very important to give them necessary skills so that they can you know, become independent individuals. When I talk about our scholarship program, Canship, we're looking at individuals who generally come from underprivileged backgrounds with no or minimal 
financial means to continue education. They're generally from the age group 26 to 20. And we emphasize on female scholars, differently abled youths, orphans, and especially children from single parents. Our focus areas, just like I mentioned earlier, is first support them through their education. We give them scholarship to you know, attend schools. We also support them in terms of getting healthy meals. We make sure that they have technical and vocational trainings. For us, one of the major components is ensure that they have overall well-being. Um, and we add a layer of uh, support, so regular meetings, not just meeting the scholar, but meeting the parents, meeting the teachers, meeting the schools regularly in, in order to ensure that our scholars are, uh, you know, performing well uh, in their day-to-day -day lives. So, in terms of objectives, let me just read out a few uh, that we want to definitely decrease that dropout rates in public schools. Something that I've been focusing on since uh, I started speaking is there's a high dropout rates in classrooms. Uh, we want to, to decrease that, but at the same time, make sure that we're promoting gender equity in classrooms. And we want to empower teachers and parents making decisions for the welfare of their scholars. So one might ask what makes Kenship, the scholarship program unique? Um, I think the most interesting thing about Kenship is that it supports scholars from their, you know, whatever age group that we support them from to the age that they become independent. So what we try or what we're trying to do is make sure that the scholars, when they join our program, uh, they might have certain skills, they might not have certain skills, but when they're about to graduate, we expect them to have enough skills for this 21st century world so that they can go out there, you know, easily get jobs, easily survive and, you know, be become uh, an independent citizen. And that's, I think, what makes Kenship unique. And it's not only supporting a scholar for a year or two or three, it's supporting their entire educational journey. Um, we also recently did this uh, project called the Digital Learners Up Project, the, the, the scholarship program, which gave students an access to, you know, um, education with digital devices, especially during the COVID, um, especially during the COVID period. We can talk about it a little bit in later, but let me focus on the other area, uh, interactive learning. So. When I say education needs two pillars, the first one, accessibility, the second one has to be interactive learning. And that's where we've designed this, pro this program called Learners Hub. So Learners Hub is a program that emphasizes on interactive learning, where we're trying to mold students into independent learners by giving them soft skills that are essential to make self-sustaining and informed decisions. We want to focus on their creative aspects as well as give them skills in a learning environment where they can grow past their potential. So we have six different programs, each different, each of different skill set, each that focus or cater to different kinds of stakeholders. We have a program called EIC that focuses on creativity. We have Kosabuno that focuses on uh, critical thinking and imagination. We have Beyond Borders that supports on cultural learning and uh, exchange, that is a reflective writing session and so on. 
So just like I mentioned, our primary focus right now is to first focus on the basic skills, reading, writing, listening, speaking. And we're doing this because is because we know that schools are generally, especially public schools, are struggling to give students even the basics, the most basic of skills, which is reading, writing, listening, and speaking. So once our programs are able to do that, we take a step further and help students with creativity and critical thinking. And from from my experience, from how much we've worked with schools, generally the education system, not just in Nepal, I think this is a problem in a lot of different parts of the world, is it is structured in such a way that it is sort of cre- it is sort of killing creativity. The curriculum, the classrooms, the way teachers impact, the way they uh, impart knowledge, the way students grasp these knowledges are created in such a way that it kills creativity out of students. And it is so sad to understand that students struggle uh, with the most simplest yet so such a powerful tool that is creativity. Students are, you know, lacking in terms of imagination and um, they're, they're, this skill is not really highly focused. So. Uh, this is a, one of our primary focus, creativity and critical thinking. Our program components are, uh, so each program has a very detailed curriculum. We have developed curriculum for each of these programs, realizing the importance that uh, these curriculums will enable students to easily learn. But at the same time, we want our facilitators to easily use these resources to go into classrooms and run the sessions. The other thing that is very important for us is assessment. So before doing each of these uh, programs, which are of various lengths, like one program is a month long, the other one is a week long. So depending on that, we do an assessment before the session, um, the pre-assessment. We do the sessions, we do the programs, and then we do a post-assessment just to see um, you know, how much the students have learned, how much they've improved and stuff like that. The other important program component is the facilitator. Um, we want people, young people especially, to be a part of this change. So we train these facilitators to go out in classrooms and take these sessions and move ahead. The other one, just like I mentioned and like heavily focusing on, is creativity and expression. And we think it's an inc- incredibly important asset for us to move ahead. Um, further, we, we also focus on a platform called Canopy Magazine uh, and Canopy Clubs. Um, again, let me quickly go through these uh, objectives that we focus on, and it's basically to give and empower young learners through you know leadership training workshops and encourage them to have student-run initiatives, um, and at the same time provide hands-on experience. Uh, to use curriculums and prioritize local resources for a creation of safe and inclusive learning space, all things. Yeah, Mohit, so moving I... on. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think we we are running short of time. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm just going to take two more minutes. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, there might be a question of what is in the future for Canopy. So one, what we're going to do, what we're looking into is we're trying to work with the government and sort of uh, integrate our curriculum with the classrooms in Nepal. Two, we're trying to, you know, expand all all over the Nepal, all over Nepal and make sure 
that our curriculums, our programs, even the scholarship programs are reaching to students from various backgrounds, various places. We're trying to take these curriculums in an, at an international stage. Our curriculum has already been uh, approved and is being used in the classroom in New York and France. So you might ask the final, the final question is, you might ask what are intensive learning so important? I think one, first we need to make sure that students are inside a classroom. When they're inside a classroom, we must be able to retain them. And the only way to retain them is to ensure that there's, they're learning good things, they're learning uh, in a qualitative way. And we're, we're ensuring the fact that these students, if they can continue their, their education, can act as change makers in the future and become independent citizens. Um, with that, let me end uh, my presentation here. I'd, I'd be happy to answer any questions after this. Uh, thank you very much.